Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Ron Post on how God prompted him to get off the couch in the 1970s as he watched children being persecuted on the nightly news. There are children abused all over this world in various forms, be it sexual or slave labor or all kinds of things that go on in our world, even here at home. And reaching out to these people and getting them to understand that there's hope for them is a challenging thing, but we need to do it. Patrick Herman talks to Ron Post next. Author of the new book called Unchained, our guest today speaks about the challenges of growing up in an abusive home to saving grace and eventually, with his wife, becoming a lifelong missionary. Ron Post, welcome to his people. Thank you very much. Now, before we get into your story, which I want to hear, can you briefly tell us about the ministries that you created and what they're doing in the world today? Well, the first one I uh, founded is called Medical Teams International, and they are all over the world uh, helping right now 2.9 million refugees in our world. And also here at home, they have a tremendous um, mission here at home uh, in 1985. I, I saw that people were not getting their teeth taken care of because they didn't have the money for that. And I uh, thought maybe we could help in that area. So I started the first mobile dental unit in 1985 and got a volunteer dentist to come on board. And since that, there are now 13 of these vans helping thousands of people with their dental work uh, free of charge. And uh, so the medical teams is just doing a great work. They they go to disaster response. They're in Turkey right now with that earthquake that just happened. Um, they are all over the place uh, helping people. The second ministry that God allowed me to start was in 1999 with a friend, uh, actually Dale and Gail Stockham. And we thought we could help Christian ministries grow through uh, showing them biblical fundraising methods. And uh, so we started an organization called Mission Increase, and we are helping ministries across this country through free workshops to learn biblical fundraising. And one of the things that we're really stressing is that, uh, you know, in the most nonprofits, they see donors as just someone they they need, but they don't know how to re- interact with them. Right. We're teaching them to realize that those donors are their partners, partners in ministry, and how to make them um, incorporate them into their ministry to be a partner with this ministry. And it's changing the face of ministries across the country. We're training now almost 3,500 ministries a year in major cities across the United States, and uh, they are growing by leaps and bounds through taking our training. And uh, that's been pretty exciting to watch. You're so passionate about these ministries all these years later. Let's go back to the 1970s when it all began. And I, I think you eventually took your medical team into Cambodia during that time of the killing fields? Was that when it all began? And I, I, I think I read that you were watching the news like all Americans used to do back then. Uh, they're on the couch with your wife. Yes, I, I was sitting there watching those news accounts. They, 
looked like they were picking up a body out of a rice field that perhaps starved to death uh, because a lot of them starved. Um, and she looked like a, a teenage girl. I looked over on the couch and there was my teenage daughter. And I thought, Lord, why am I so fortunate to be born here when I, it could have been my daughter over there? And as that happened, it was like somebody just literally handed me a written plan that you are to raise up medical teams and you're to take them there to help those people. Wow. And you're to do it within two weeks. Whoa. And yes, that's what I that's what I thought. And I questioned the Lord about that. But the book will describe step by step that happened over a two week period that ended up sending 27 medical volunteers to help in a, a hospital ward over there in one of the refugee camps. And uh, it was exciting. And, you know, I was sitting there think, thinking, how can I do this? And I finally blurted it out to my wife, Jean, and she said, yes, we need to do that. Wow. Uh, we need to help those people. And so that was confirmation. And that's what uh, it all it all started in 1979. And we've been going to disasters and stuff all over the world ever since. Yeah. Now, I, I, from what I read, you actually um, talked to some one of the newsmen and he got you on the nightly news. And that's where God used the people to bring in the funds and yep. the doctors. Yes. I called the station that I heard, I saw the news, and it was about 11 o'clock at night. I called him, and he later tells people, you know, you get a lot of kooky calls at 11 o'clock at night on the yeah. news. But he said something about this man uh, prompted me to to listen. And when he when I finished, he said, Ron, why don't you call Mike Donahue at KOIN-TV in Portland and talk to him about it? So I, I called uh, KOIN, not thinking I'd ever get a hold of Mike Donahue, very popular man, put me right through to Mike wow. and told him, and he's a brother in the Lord, told him uh, about this. And he uh, he said, Ron, why don't you hold a news conference about this? <laughs> I didn't know what to do about a news conference. And but we did, and we the next morning there were cameras and reporters all over the place, and I was just blown away. But later I realized that was God. God had brought the media together to put this together, and they did for the next 10, 15 years or more, even up till today, they've been covering what medical teams is doing in the world because they it's a pretty exciting story. Now, you're not a doctor yourself, are you? No, I'm not. I was just a businessman uh, when God said, hey, I want you to do this. That is amazing to me. Now, um, I I was wondering, were there groups like, you know, Doctors Without Borders, Samaritan's Purse, others that you think of that are doing similar things, were they out there in the field at the same time you were starting this, or this was starting? Well, they. I don't think they were there when we started in 1979. Uh, in fact, um, we actually worked through World Vision back in 1979 uh, because uh, they had never put together volunteer medical teams. Oh. And uh, so this was a kind of a first and it later grew and grew. And so a, a lot of other organizations came along and started sending medical volunteers uh, in our world. Praise God for that. Yeah. Now, I was, I was so interested, too, because in the 1970s, you started this ministry. You already said you had a teenage daughter. So you were an older man then. And how old are you now? I'm 84. You're 84. You don't look it. 
<laughs> is there still is there still a lot of work for you to do out there for you personally at 84 to do oh absolutely and for anyone ephesians 2 10 says that we're god's creation created to do good works which god ordained in the beginning he created us to do good works and it doesn't matter he didn't say what age right it's any age apostle paul said i'm fighting the fight until the end and that's what we need to be doing is fighting till the end. Now, I'm not involved with day-to-day uh, -day with medical teams or mission increase anymore, but there's lots of things I can do. And this book actually is, a, in a sense, is a culmination of over 40 years of ministry. Um, and it's my sort of last public act. Uh, and I'm hoping and praying that this book will touch many lives. and lies will come to christ through this book or people who have had trauma in their lives will will find forgiveness and go on to live a life of of meaning and purpose which we all crave and what god wants us to do yeah now you said forgiveness because you're you're referring to your abusive childhood and i want to talk to you about that in just a little bit but let's focus on the experiences first of the ministry so you served initially in Cambodia. Where else ha has the ministry gone over the years? Get, take us through the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Yes, and the book chronicles all these places. Um, so after Cambodia, there was the terrible disaster in, in, uh, in Ethiopia where nearly 200,000 people starved to death. And we took our medical teams there. And, and uh, there were several incidents there that changed my life forever. Uh, one of them was that we were in a, a, a feeding center, uh, a feeding, uh, in, in, intensive feeding of young babies uh, that uh, were malnourished. And so every morning, um, 1,400 women would line up on the ground with their babies, hoping wow. to be admitted to our feeding center. And we could only take 250 of the worst cases each day. And so the nurses would go down through the line of the babies and they would be feeling between the fingers of their hand for fat content to see which are the worst cases and they were all worst cases yeah, right. and then they would pick the 250 and go off in a corner somewhere and cry mm. because they knew that some of them were not going to be there the next day that, that they didn't choose and while i was watching that unfolding one day the second thing that happened was I saw two elderly ladies walking towards me. And I don't know why they picked me, but they walked right towards me. And they stopped in front of me. And within almost seconds, one of the ladies began trembling violently, and she fell to the ground right there at my feet. Uh, they tried to save her, but she died right there on the ground. She had starved to death. And she had in her hand an empty black bucket and it was laying by her hand. She had come looking for grain. And someone took a picture of that and gave it to me. I still have it. It's burned here in my mind. Of course. Um, that picture of the lady with the empty black bucket. And, and God has reminded me ever since that time that we have a world full of empty buckets. And God's people of all people are called to fill those empty buckets whether it's here in the United States or around the world, 
we're called to fill empty buckets. And I've been reminding people of that for over 40 some years that we're called to do that. And then after that, we went to places like Goma Zaire, where you remember Rwanda, the genocide in Rwanda, and they came across the border there and we were taking care of 250,000 uh, encamped on a volcanic rock uh, with not one latrine in the whole place. And um, we, we, our team saved a lot of lives right there, lost some too. But these wonderful volunteers that go, they go and live under harsh conditions, uh, sometimes dangerous conditions, um, and they render aid to save lives. They are special people. And I tell stories about these special people. And when the reader reads it, they'll get to know them and they'll fall in love with them. Yeah. Let's stop there for a second, because I do want to hear, you know, give us a, an example of some of the stories of the people that have, that God has brought into your ministries, maybe how their lives are changed or how your life was changed because of them. One of the greatest things uh, as far as success for my own life is the fact that I was able to see those wonderful people working in the field. People like Marie Davis. Marie Davis as a nurse. Uh, she's been out on teams 50 times over the years. No one has even come close to her wow. uh, as a volunteer. And Marie, I, I remember a funny story in, when we were in Ethiopia, and they were in a staying in tents. And each morning they'd get up and they, as a just for fun, they'd count the flea bites on their body. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and Marie Marie got up one morning and said, oh, wow, I got 250. And, and <laughs> they laughed about it, uh, their, their discomfort. But Marie Davis is just a wonderful, wonderful believer who has gone overseas to help in many, many times in many, many situations. And to imagine going through those flea bites and then saying, yep, I'm going to volunteer for the next one, wherever it is in the world, for 50 times. That's 50 amazing. Times. Yes, yes. <laughs> and many more people like that uh, that have gone out, just wonderful people. I remember Dr. Travis Cavins, who's now gone to be with the Lord, uh, when we were in uh, helping the genocide of Rwanda, and I was bunking with him. He's a he was a pediatrician and he was taking care of the children in the camp. Every day there was just hundreds and hundreds of children lined up wanting help. Mm -hmm. uh, and one night, as I was bunking with him, I said, "Travis, do you know how many patients you saw today?" And he said, "No." And I, I I'm trying to remember. I think it was like 200. Wow. And you know, he says sees maybe 30 in his practice at home in a day. He saw 200. And, and suddenly he burst out crying, just bawling and bawling. I've never seen him do that before in all the years. And I would let him finish crying. And I said, what's going on, Travis? He said, Ron, we took care of 200, but there were 200s there when I left. Oh. And we couldn't, we couldn't take care of them. And he, so he was just broken hearted over these people that he wasn't going to be able to take care of until the next day. And many of them might not make it by the next day. Harsh environment. Well, we are chatting today with Ron Post. He is the author of Unchained. He's also the founder of two ministries, at least the first called Medical Teams International and Mission Increase. And he is here with us today on Pilgrim Radio's His People. Ron, 
What do you hope your book will do? I mean, what you're, you're hoping it'll generate or invigorate people? What What's the kind of action you're hoping that'll it'll call people to? Well, one thing it, it, that's important is that I show people how to find forgiveness and go on to have a meaningful life. I really hope they see that in the book, how to do that. The second part is how to find meaning and purpose for your life. And I describe how that can be done. I give you examples of, of how you can find meaning and purpose. And if you've already found meaning and purpose, it will affirm you in what you're doing. Uh, so that's really the theme of the book. And uh, there's, there's, yes, there's some, uh, there's some sadness to the book, but there's, there's some happy times too in the book and victories that they will see in the book. Well, and I haven't let you talk about it yet, but you've mentioned it twice with the forgiveness part. And that's a big part of the story uh, of what you came out of. You were sexually abused as a child, right? Yes, I was. Yes. Why was that a big part of this story that you wanted to tell with the message of the medical missions? And why did you decide to disclose it now, 73 years later? Actually, um, you know, I did did a study on this and I find that uh, the average time for people disclosing sexual abuse is about 25 years or so. It's very common. I didn't know that. I thought maybe I was the only one. Uh, but I waited 73 years. And uh, there were several reasons for that. I, I, I was told when it happened that, you know, don't tell anybody or, I'll, you know, you'll get hurt. And I believed it. And a lot of kids do go through that. And then shame went through shame and then went through, uh, you know, just uh, searching for life. But in 1965, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life. Now, it took seven more years of my Christian growth before the Lord caught my attention to remind me that I had not forgiven those people who did that to me. And so one night I got on my knees and I prayed and I asked God to forgive these people. And when I got up off my knees, I felt like a new creation. Yet, um, you know, that was back in the early 70s. I still didn't tell my family because I don't know for sure why, but I think it was maybe had to do with I didn't want them to dislike this person, uh, these people. And But finally, about three or four years ago, the Lord convicted me of that and said, Ron, they need to see who you were before and who you are now. Hmm. And so I got my family together and I told them what happened. And I'm, I'm now encouraging people, don't wait like I did. Don't wait like I did. You know, there you can recover from abuse like that and go on to have a life of meaning and purpose. Uh, and, and it's done through a I found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, you can't change the past, but you can change the future and you can find meaning and purpose. There's, there is a chance for you to do that. Uh, don't let the one who hurt you continue to do that when you don't have to. Now, you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe the listeners out there thinking, but, but this guy that I'm listening to on the radio right now, he, he came up with these two amazing ministries, Mission Increase and Medical Teams International, and yet he's saying, don't wait like I did. So do, what was it about that that you, you say, no, it could have been better? What, what would you say would be the benefit of saying, no, get this out in the open right now? Yes. 
healing. You know, when you hold things like that in, they've done studies on this, you run into all kinds of problems, anxiety, depression, um, uh, discouragement, uh, all kinds of things affect people that hold it in like that. It did me. And uh, but through forgiveness and, and you and truly forgive, yeah. you can learn to be a happier person, less anxiety, more upbeat on, on your life. It makes a total difference in your life uh, when you find forgiveness to where it's not on your shoulders anymore. You've given it to God. And I think in your book, it was showing that there's the the study concluded that the average age of people reporting childhood sex abuse was the age 52. Yeah. That's yeah, quite, that's, that. that's up there. That's a, that's a lot of years of yeah, living with of that years. terrible truth. Yeah. And I hope that, I hope that people read this book that have gone through that. And there's been millions that have gone through it. And there's millions out there right now Yep, that are, that might be reading this book or listening to this program. Uh, who can say, yeah, I, I went through it and I'm still struggling. There's hope. yeah, and, and that hope is in Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. You know, as a Christian, we are called to forgive. Matter of fact, there's a scripture in Matthew uh, that the Lord spoke of. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, then your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive them their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive you your sin. That's pretty hard. That's really hard. Is there a connection, I was wondering about this, between what you've seen in the poverty of the world, and albeit a different kind of abuse, but abuse all the same of children, whether it be starvation or even what you went through? Is there a connection of those two? Could be. There are children abused all over this world in various forms, be it sexual or or slave labor, or all kinds of things that go on in our world, even here at home. And uh, reaching out to these people and getting them to understand that there's hope for them is is a challenging thing, but we need to do it. We need to be out there helping these people. Have you written a book before? Is this your first? I did write one back in 1999, um, but we didn't really publish it. We just uh, used it as a a uh, gift to donors and stuff at to medical teams. Uh, so this is really my first and probably last published book. You think this is your swan song? I believe so, yes. How has it been going as far as like doing these kind of interviews and, and just uh, doing this on a national level? You know, 30 years ago when I was with medical teams, I was being interviewed almost weekly, uh, you know, and it was for years. And, uh, but when I, when they said, well, Ron, you're going to have to do some interviews, I I was nervous inside. I was really kind of frightened inside and prayed a lot about it. But, you know, I've done a number of them now and I enjoy them because I'm just saying what we did. And uh, it's exciting and exciting to think about people getting the book. Uh, almost all the proceeds from this book will be given away. So I want people to read the book. I just hope they'll get it and read it. Well, and like I said at the beginning of this conversation, you can just feel your enthusiasm for this ministry that that you've been serving all this these years and for this God that you serve all these years. Amen. 
Amen. You know, Amen. medical teams, international, still going strong. I think I read online Ukraine and Uganda. Those are really hot spots today. You just mentioned Turkey uh, because of what's going on. Where is the ministry headquartered today? In Portland, Oregon. I founded it in Salem, Oregon, then moved it to Portland, Oregon. And uh, that's that's where they're located now. And they also have a, a ministry of gathering medical supplies and equipment and sending it to needy places around the world, millions of dollars worth. And so they have this humongous warehouse there that they uh, palletize all of this, sort it, palletize and send it all over the world. And it's operated pretty much by volunteers. Wow. It's a great opportunity for people to volunteer their time. Some of them have been volunteering there for 20 years. <laughs> they really love it. And you know, you were mentioning even with the Ebola outbreak from some years ago, I would think most people would run away when they hear about an Ebola outbreak, but here are you and your team are running to the battle. Yes, our teams are always running to the battle. Uh, they never flinch. They're ready to go out there. And we've had a couple of close calls over the years, but praise God, no one's ever died. Had a few injuries, but no one died, and um, they they just they just do a great work. And you know what amazes me, if I might say this, all this work founding two ministries, I was able to do it without any college education. I only went to high school, yet I have two honorary degrees. And you say, how'd you do it? God, God did it. God took these fishermen. <laughs> uneducated uh, apostles, and he changed the world with them. When you are open and ready for God to help you do something, he will do it for you, through you. And so God has done this in my life. I wasn't qualified to do it, uh, but God was. Yeah. And even like we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, you're not in the medical industry, and yet you put together this ministry uh, that's the medical teams to to be placed around the world. And it was God working through me uh, to give me the gift of organizing and motivating. Yeah, uh, And that's exactly what I did, is what I thought he wanted me to do. Ron, leave us with some insight on what you hope will continue with this ministry and even the hope you have for this book? Well, again, I hope this book will change lives, will help someone out there that's gone through trauma or is in trauma, that there's hope. There is real hope. And I hope that people will uh, look at their own lives and say, what am I doing? What am I doing that's making a difference? Do you know there are, in every city across this country, there are two or 300 nonprofits that need volunteers. They need help. Call one of them and say, can I volunteer? How can I help you? They're hungry for people to volunteer. There's organizations all over. And so I hope people will see that there's hope in your own church. You know, when my wife retired from medical teams, and by the way, Praise God, December 5th, 2022, she went to be with the Lord uh, after having Alzheimer's, uh, and I miss her terribly. But she worked for medical teams for years. But when she did retire, she was in church one day, and they were talking about the shut-ins and so forth. And she came home and said, honey, I want to write them encouraging cards. Hmm. So she just bought a whole bunch of cards and started writing them to people and mailing them to them. 
And I thought, wow, that's meaning and purpose. Yeah. And uh, so you don't have to start a medical team. You, you don't have to do that. There are things all around us that God will use you for to uh, help change lives. And it's exciting when you do it. Go help at the food kitchen or the food pantry. Go help because it'll change your life if you do. Get up off that couch. Like you were, you were watching the news that night. Get yes. up off that couch. Get up off that, your couch and, and just do it. Well, the book, Unchained, A Man's Journey from Abuse to Healing to Saving Lives. Ron Post, thanks for being with us today on His People. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the time. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Ron Post, author of Unchained and also founder of Medical Teams International and Mission Increase. To learn more, go to ronpost.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Scott Klusendorf on key points in making the pro-life case with those who are opposed to it. I don't know if you ever had a pebble in your shoe when you're out hiking. It wears on you and wears on you until you stop to deal with it. Same idea here. We give people something to think about. We place those nuggets of thought in their minds. And who knows, maybe a year later they're talking to somebody else and it, it comes about that God at that point brings the harvest. We need to get past this idea that if people don't agree on the spot with us, we've lost. No, your job is to faithfully convey truth and leave the results to God. That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.